بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الله صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد We are on Surah Fatir, Surah number 35. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan al-rajim, bismillahi ar-rahman ar-rahim. Alhamdulillahi fa'atir al-samawati wal-ard, ja'il al-malaikati rusulan uliya jnihatim mathna wa thulatha wa rubaa. Yazidu fi al-khalqi ma yasha' inna Allah ala kulli shayin qadir. This surah comes after Surah Al-Sabah. Surah Al-Sabah also begins with Alhamdulillah. And we've discussed how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the people of Sabah, Sheba, as having access to inamat, blessings and bounties from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that were primarily economic and then he also discussed the blessings he gave to Dawood and Suleiman, uh, whose inamat included the economic as well as the political and the military. Right. So in the back of this, the, that surah, surah sabah, where Allah has favored human beings with all types of gifts and bounties in the material world, and then also the gift of Nabuwa. Prophet Suleiman and access to knowledge of the ghayb, the unseen through wahi, meaning the Quran. This surah, Surah Al-Fatir, now begins with Alhamdulillah, all praise is due to Allah. And the proof of this claim, Alhamdulillah, is a claim that Allah is making. And then the proof is Fatir is Samawati This is why is Allah worthy of all praise? Why does He deserve all praise? It is because He is the originator of the heavens and the earth. So anyone who replicates and duplicates is now following somebody else's lead. So you may do this and do that based on a prototype. But when someone creates the prototype and conceives of the idea first, then credit is given to him as the originator, as the original thinker, as being someone who is creative. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that no one claims to have originated the creation of the heavens and the earth in human history. No one does that. Even Fir'aun, he didn't say that he created the heavens and the earth. He just said, I'm the manager. I'm your greatest manager. I manage everything that has already been created. So here the Quran gives us an introduction to how we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and why we praise Him. How do we praise Him? By saying, Alhamdulillah. There is no better way to praise Allah than the way Allah has praised Himself, as is the dua of the Prophet Allahumma la thanan alik antakama athnayta ala nafsik. Wallah, I'm not able to corral the praise for you. I'm not able to praise you the way I should. Uh, you are the way you have praised yourself. 
So there's no better way to praise Allah than the way Allah has praised himself, which is Alhamdulillah. Once you say Alhamdulillah, you have praised Allah for everything comprehensively, holistically, and so on and so forth. Then the sifa of Allah, an attribute of Allah is Al-Fatir, the one who creates originally without any prototype and without any plan, etc. <coughs> A previous plan. Fatara. It is from this word that you get the word Fitra, the original prototype designed for human beings. That originally the human being was designed to do this and not this. That's called Fitra. Right? Meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's purpose for creating the human are these issues that a human being must do this instinctively. A human being must do this instinctively. A human being must. So in the cosmos, Allah is the Fatir. Why? Because everything He creates has a role, has a function, has a purpose. So when everything plays its role, uh, it will lead itself to its purpose. If you interfere with that function and role, it will become distorted and then you'll be tampering with Allah's creation uh, that is cursed by the Qur'an itself. <laughs> Those who change and tamper with the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is supposed to be something that, oh, that um, uh, creates peace and tranquility. And this is something that is not designed to create peace and tranquility. The sukoon component. <coughs> anyway, there is a, millions of examples that if you take one creation and you start to discuss what is the role function of this creation, be it a camel, be it a dog, be it a human being, then be it a male and a female. Everyone has its role and function in the cosmos. If you don't tamper with that, it will reach its purpose. It's required and designed, previously designed purpose. If you tamper with it, then you'll be tampering with Allah's creation, which is not good. And that's how you get modern society, where everyone's tampering with each other's roles and functions, and no one really fulfills their purpose in life. Parents have been designed and created for a function and a role. If you mess with that, then you get parents being children and children being parents. Emotionally, psychologically, and intellectually, and socially, and every So one of the Imarat al sawa the signs of the Day of Judgment in the Hadith of Jibreel, is that the slave girl will give birth to her own, yeah, owner and mistress or master. That's not supposed to happen, right? That's inverted. So when roles and functions are inverted, that is khilaful fitrah. That's against fitrah, which is the basis of this word, fatir. So fatir is not just the one who creates without a prototype. He's also the one who determines the instincts of that creation. 
pre-applied, predetermined instincts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given every human being. So the Prophet ﷺ said, خَمْسٌ مِنَ الْفِطْرَةِ And عَشَرٌ مِنَ الْفِطْرَةِ This is from the fitrah. This is from the fitrah. What is the original fitrah of human beings? That he must be hygienic. That he will uh, he have oral hygiene. أَسْسِوَاكُ مِنَ الْفِطْرَةِ that he will do miswak and brush his teeth and clean his mouth. That is a fitri, an instinctive uh, design that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed in every human being. By instinct, they should be able to do this. Right? Wash their mouths, cleanse their noses, and do this. And so all the issues of fitrah, they come from this predetermined designation and instinct that Allah has embedded. Uh, planted into the human species uh, over time as you know environmental factors societal factors then aim and seek to change some of these instincts and then they go this way and that way and then it becomes a norm Okay, so when something that is against the fitrah becomes norm and normative then that's a sign of the day of judgment that's a sign of the day of judgment. So in, in the issue of Allah is fatir. So you look at the heavens and the earth. Everything that has been created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala other than the human being and the jinn uh, will always run on its fitrah as long as humans don't interfere in the wrong way. And they don't manipulate in the wrong way. Okay? The sun has been designed to for a function and its service function and the purpose is met. Likewise the moon, likewise everything else Allah has created in the heavens. So we not we're not able to tamper with that just yet. Right. On earth we tamper with everything. So a bird is supposed to be able to do this instinctively. And this is what Musa salam said to Fir'aun, that my Lord is the one who has given everything its creation, its purpose, its function. And then he guides that species towards its purpose and its function. You can't do that because number one, you can't create. And number two, you don't have the ability to design uh, some things, instincts. You couldn't have conceived of this, nor are you able to deliver this. So Allah is saying, he is the originator and the creator of everything, the heavens and the earth, and also the designer, designing the instincts and the functions and the purposes for what he has created. For that we say, Alhamdulillah. And so Alhamdulillah is the claim that all praise is due to Allah. is the proof. And the more you think about it, the more you'll be bewildered and amazed as to how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has joined this one statement to represent him comprehensively so that a an ordinary Bedouin Arab traveling in the desert will just say Alhamdulillah and he'll realize what he is saying. And today we marvel at human creation, technology and other gadgets and other instruments and other tools and means of travel and communication and how to uh, do surgery, mashallah, and how to do this, this and that. 
All of these are human creation and we praise the human being and we praise science and technology and we pat ourselves on the, on the back and say that uh, we have now advanced so much in science and technology that we are able to do this and this. Man who is nowhere near the creation of Allah. هذا خلق الله فأروني ماذا خلق الذين من دوني Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this is Allah's creation show me what others besides him has created and even when science is creative which is, which is fine to a certain degree we, we, we're not averse to uh, science and technology per se but it's still using the same stuff that Allah has created is not originating in order for you to understand how stem cell works, you need to be able to get the stem cell first from somewhere. Where does it come from? He didn't originate the stem cell. It came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he is fatir. So now you're copying Allah and you're copying Allah's creation, uh, which is, as I said, is technically okay. Yeah, This is one component of alhamdulillah in this surah. The second is to introduce and direct the reader's attention towards another system in Allah's samawat and ard, and that system is only available bilghayb, through the ghayb, through the unseen, meaning through wahi. What is that? Ja'ilil malaikati. That he has made angels. He is the maker of angels. What is fatir? Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created angels and in the function of angels the rule is that Allah has made them rusul messengers angels are messengers they fulfill the duties and the tasks assigned to them by the fatir so in the instinctive cosmic reality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created it is instinctive for angels to exist right if you believe in wahi you will see that without the angels there is no wahi why? because angels are the ones who carry the message from the divine to the human so the means of communication between God and man is the angel and this is instinctive in the cosmos. Allah has made this as part of the cosmos. Uh, denying that is denying that the sun, the moon, the stars, they follow an order. Okay. So when wahi comes to a human being, it comes through the organization, the network of angels. And Allah has made those angels himself to represent his word to communicate his word, and so on. So this is how we see the role of angels in the samawat and all, that although they have other tasks and duties, one of the major tasks and duties of all angels is to communicate either with each other or with creation. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell an angel that you must do this in the heavens and the earth, and the angels will do it. So they transport the message and they fulfill their role and function and that allows the heavens and the earth to function the way they do without any interference from man. That's when it comes to 
inanimate uh, things, those that are not intellectual. When it comes to the intellectual, meaning the jinn kind and the mankind, Allah sends messages yeah, to mankind. Allah yastafi min al-malaikati rusulun wa min al-nas. Allah chooses angels to as messengers, and He also chooses people as messengers. So human beings are also messengers. What is the role of a human being who is a messenger? That he delivers the same message to human beings. And then, like Muhammad to the jinn also. A description of the angels who carry the messages of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is here. Uli ajnihatim. That they are angels who deliver the message. Uh, they are those with wings. Wings. Uli ajniha. That they use the wings to glide and to float and to travel throughout the heavens so that they're able to transport messages through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will and permission to whatever it is they are going. So the, the, the angel uh, will always have a wing. How many? Mathana. Some of them have two. Wathulatha. Some of them have three. Warubah. Some have four. Then Allah says, Allah increases in His creation whatever He wants, meaning there will be angels who will have more than four wings. What are these wings? If we were to look at an angel, we will see whatever they have as wings. I mean, it's, not, it's literal. It's not metaphoric, symbolic. That doesn't mean symbolic is a it's not symbolic, it is real. Meaning if we were to see them, we'd see wings. Like we see wings on a bird. So for the Arab, ajnih, junah meant a wing. And that is how we see it in the understanding of the Quran, the exegesis, and the hermeneutics of how to understand scripture and how to read scripture. The ulama of tafsir say it is what it is. Why? Because if we were there in front of an angel, we would see it as a wing. And that's how you represent reality. You have to call it the way you see it. Right? No? In your ordinary language, when you see water, what do you say? This is H2O? Hey, drink some H2O. No, that's stupid. It's water, Baba. So when you see a wing of an angel, you say, this is a wing. You say it's symbolic. It's not symbolic, it is a wing. That word will represent everything that's symbolic also. Right? That's the beauty of the word. The word represents everything that's contained within it, within the name, within the thing that you are naming. You don't have to bend over backwards to bring out one attribute of the named. So you call a person by name. And then when you know he is of this profession and this person's son and this person's father and this person's husband, then you are identifying the attributes of that person. But the name surrounds and comprehensively represents everything about the person. Likewise, words of the Qur'an represent everything about the name. We don't sacrifice the apparent and literal meaning because we only want to focus on one aspect. Sometimes we do. 
but usually we don't. Here the word wing means wing. That's how the bird has a wing, uh, the angels have wings. How many? Two, three, four, and more. As with the Prophet Sallallahu statement, that the Sahaba asked him, did you ever see Jibreel Islam in his original form? The Prophet Sallallahu said yes, twice. One was outside of Hira, when I saw his wings. They were 600. And one wingspan covered the whole horizon. But he has 600 wings. That's physical, means literal. Whatever the Prophet saw, he described. So that the Sahaba would relate to it. The other time was the time of Mi'raj, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed him the heavens and the earth, and Jibreel showed him himself, exposed himself to the Prophet at that place also, and he showed him again 600 wings. Right. How many? 600. One wingspan covers the whole horizon, and that is why we say, don't um, hope to see an angel, because that means death. Your eyesight can't grasp the might of an angel, and that happens when you die. So be careful when you say, you claim I saw an angel. You didn't see an angel. Had you seen an angel, you'd be dead. Right. You may see different scintillations, whatever. Unless you go into another realm of existence, which we're not going to discuss, but usually the ulama say you must not make that statement. Yazidu fil khalqi ma yasha is not just referring to the creation in angels and the wings of angels, is referring to everything else because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the fatir. He is the originator and he creates whatever he wants to originally by his uh, omnipotence and his will. Ma yasha, whatever he wills. So it's not fixed. Well, meaning that can you say oh, Allah has created just this? Is, we don't know. Whatever He has created, we believe in, and they are creation that we know of on this planet, and there is creation that we don't know exists on this planet. Every time there's a new discovery of people and languages and species, uh, there's a new species, new species. Where did they come from? They didn't come from out of space. They're already here. We were not exposed to them. So Allah creates and gives knowledge of his creation piecemeal over time so that human beings may collect and gather the data that's necessary for them to praise Allah and to say Alhamdulillah. So when you read an article in National Geographic or on the internet or whatever and they found or discover something else, then you don't say, wow, you say Alhamdulillah. They're not the creators of that thing that you discovered or uncovered. Allah is the creator. So yes, be amazed that human beings have finally found something that they didn't know existed. Uh, founders of the new world. How do you think that sounds to the Native American? They discovered us. Patronizing, just downright arrogant. Right? We already existed for centuries and millenniums here in this land and all of a sudden you are discovered. You came over here and you didn't want it. That's why we're here today. Alhamdulillah. But the attitude of human beings in their wording 
is quite arrogant. It's very arrogant, very rude. And abrupt. Allah says, no. Allah is Yazidu fil khalqi Even when you discover something, there's always going to be something else that you will discover because Allah has already created whatever He has willed. But He will only give you knowledge when He wants to give you that knowledge, albeit through your science and technology and your research and spending billions of dollars or whatever. That's fine. But it's not fine. If you want to be with the Green Party and you want to save the, you know, the environment and you want to become somewhat in line with the ecology, then you may not appreciate all of that. Inna Allah ala kulli shayin qadir indeed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is capable of everything, over everything. He does what He wants to. So He has will and He has power, omnipotence with that He has knowledge that he knows everything. This is how we summarize Alhamdulillah. All praise due to Allah is a kalima, it's a word, it's a code that if you unravel it, it reveals itself to you over time, over your life, your experience until you come to terms with Allah and you say, Rabbun Allah, our Lord is Allah and you appreciate everything Allah has done, is doing and will do. Anyway, here the point is that there are two systems that run within each other and uh, they run in parallel with each other and they run in sync with each other. One is the apparent cosmos, the samawat al-ard, and the other is the, the nidam and the system of the angels. Both run hand in hand. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala governs both. One is there to facilitate the other. So the angels role is to facilitate what happens in the heavens and the earth. By those angels who manage the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they govern and they administrate. But that's hidden. That's not visible through our eyes, nor through our knowledge. It is beyond our akhla, our rationale. This knowledge comes from wahi, meaning the Qur'an and the Sunnah, and the Prophet ﷺ and whatever the Sahaba understood. Human beings here are asked to acknowledge both systems. So Muslims now have access to both systems. One is what's available to us through whatever we say is science and empirical knowledge, and the other is what is available to us through wahi that came to Muhammad sallallahu So we are, we are at a very distinct advantage over all human beings that we actually believe there is a system and a nidam and a world of angels. Right? When you know how to uh, live with both, then you're the complete Muslim. When you know only one and not the other, then you're incomplete because you don't know how to synchronize the two. So the world of angels run in parallel and in synchronization with this world. So the angels will then show us how human beings should behave so that they're in sync with how the cosmos work. It's called your your harmony. Uh, This is what the message of Nabuwa 
is that a Nabi comes to show human beings how you coordinate one with the other. They must match. They can't be a mismatch. Like, mashallah, when you're dressing up for the occasion and you're mismatched, then you look very ugly. Right? If you don't coordinate and the colors are wrong, everybody look at you and say, you're a fool, you're dressed like a fool. Incoordinated. That's in human beings. Being vain as they are. What a Nabi does is has that you must coordinate your life, your lifestyle and your actions in sync with what the angels do. And that's the way of the Sunnah. The Sunnah of the Prophet helps us coordinate with the world of the angels. So this is how we see the role of all all Anbiya and Prophets that they want to produce the complete human being, develop the human being to his potential so that the human being doesn't lose sight of his function and his role. Everything has a function role, as I say, right? The sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, everything. Likewise, the human being has a role. What's the role of a human being? Ibadah. So the function of a human being is ibadah, to worship and serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So your service to Allah through ritual ibadah is what you are designed to do. You're not designed not to worship Allah. You are designed instinctively to worship Allah, as you'll see throughout the surah. So for that you need to know how everything around you works. So when you worship Allah, you have guidance from whom? Not from your empirical knowledge. Not from your rationale, but from the ghayb, wahi, through the system of angels. This is how the angels worship Allah. And this is how you are going to worship Allah. The Prophet said when he went for Mi'raj, he saw angels standing up in prayer in the form of Qiyam. And that's what they do until the Day of Judgment. Then he saw angels in Ruku'ah, and that's what they do until the Day of Judgment. Then he saw angels in Sajda, and that's what they do until the Day of Judgment. So now in the Nidham, in the system of angels, Salat comprehensively encapsulated their ibadah. This is how you worship Allah. How do you worship Allah? The way the angels worship Allah. And where did that knowledge come from? Not through empirical sources or human experience, or speculation. He came through the ghayb, wahi, that came to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. gave the Prophet the knowledge of how to worship in sync with how the angels worship before Isra and Miraj. And then he showed him in Miraj, this is what you're doing. You are mimicking the worship of angels كُلٌّ قَدْ عَلِمَ الصَّلَاةَهُ وَتَسْبِحَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the birds and angels and so on. <coughs> so a prophet's role is to coordinate the lives of all human beings in such a way that both the cosmic function and the angelic function, they run parallel with each other, in sync with each other, so that the eventual fate of a human being, meaning Jannah, is re-established. That's the purpose of understanding the world of angels. 
We don't have knowledge of that because that's Ghaib. Who has knowledge of that? The Prophet ﷺ, whatever Allah gave him, whatever Allah showed him, whatever Allah informed him. And that's why we follow the Nabi in matters of ibadah strictly. So when we line up for Salat as a Saf, okay, we are lining ourselves up the way the angels line up in their Saf up there. This also found in Hadith. It's not just about worldly organization. This is about how we mimic the, the angels. So if there's a gap between two people, the Prophet said the devil comes in. Why? Because there's no gap in the roles of angels. That's what he said. In the angels, they stand close together. So you must mimic that system, that nilam, to gain maximum benefit from your salat in uh, ibadat and so on. So this, what I'm saying is that when a Nabi informs his people that you must do this and not that, then you're in line with the cosmic harmony that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. And that's what Islam is. So whether you say Islam means that it is the surrender of all things to the will of Allah, or Islam means for Muslims the surrender of the human will to Allah, is almost the same thing doesn't matter. The ultimate Islam is the Islam of a human being to the will of Allah, as you will see later on in the surah, inshallah. So, in that sense, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now deals with certain human realities and uh, shows the human being how to act and react and behave in circumstances where he or she might be going against the realms the angelic realm and the cosmic realm. مَا يَفْتَحِ اللَّهُ لِلنَّاسِ مِنْ رَحْمَةٍ فَلَا مُمْسِكَ لَهَا وَمَا يُمْسِكَ فَلَا مُرْسِلَ لَهُ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ وَهُ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ There is one reality in the universe whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has opened up for human beings of his rahmah then there is no one there to withhold that. And whatever he has withheld there is no one there to release that after him. Wahul Aziz al Hakim and he is the Supreme, the Mighty, and he is the All Wise. So here this is a, an issue of Aqidah, an issue of theology, that whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given human beings as his rahmah, no one else can take away, nor should they seek to take away. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has withheld his rahmah somewhere then no one else should say and determine that uh, we should do this on his behalf as uh, God himself would do. We don't do this as Muslims. We are in sync and in harmony with whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do and whatever he brings. So, if there's rain, then Allah sends the rain. And if there's a drought, Allah creates the drought. What is the way for us to now bring rain down or stop the rain? Ibadah. Dua. So when there's too much rain, the Prophet said to the Sahaba, made a dua, Allah stop the rain. Right? And when there's a drought, the Prophet said to Allah, Allah, make it rain. It's very simple. You don't have to beat around the bush. <laughs> Rahmah, Allah's rain is Rahmah. But too much of rahmah sometimes means a flood, a disaster. 
So you have to find a way to save yourself from the flood, which is physical. But spiritually, theologically, you must be in a position where you acknowledge that Allah has given us a means through the angelic world and system how to bring down Allah's fadl and make it stop. Which is also in the sunnah. Right? As occasioned and experienced by the sahaba in Medina a few times. And likewise, the other side, a drought. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he causes a drought, he has given human beings the ability still to make dua and serve him in worship and ibadah. And then you have istisqa, which is dua. So we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing human beings through the institution of nabuwa and wahi that this is how you behave when certain phenomena occur in the world in front of you. When there's a solar eclipse, a lunar eclipse, you have an idhaam of the sunnah. What is that? You make dua. In case, God forbid, something more catastrophic happens. You go with your telescope and take pictures. That's not the sunnah. Is it a sunnah? No. Yeah. الشمس والخبر يخسفان آياتان من آيات الله There are signs from the signs of Allah And when you see there's a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse First of all you must engage in dua and ibadah In case Allah doesn't remove the eclipse You can all go to the observatory Wherever the observatories are Phoenix, Arizona, Hawaii And be amazed with the phenomenon but you're understanding just the apparent phenomenon. You're not understanding the depth of the occasion. Only a Nabi does that. Right? So Nabi shows you that there's an occasion where you need to engage in dua, in dhikr, so that you are humble, that Allah is able to do this. He's able to take away the light from the heavens through this eclipse. And just as he's able to take away, he may be able to take away it permanently. Not just temporarily. So for that you need the cosmic harmony of dua. You engage in dua and dhikr. So that Allah remove this from this from us. So that we are not, uh, uh, God forbid, victims of your anger. So you bring about a humility and humbleness. Uh, as the Prophet said, Ayatani min ayatillah. These are signs from the signs of Allah. Our function is to appreciate who's in control. Our function is not to be mesmerized by the phenomenon. Right? That's what it's now. Then you say that you're being backward and retrogressive. You don't want to enjoy. Enjoy all you want, but that's not the sunnah. People enjoy and they take photographs and we're amazed when we look at the photographs. But at that moment, what does Allah want you to do? He wants you to make dua, remain in dhikr, make sure that Allah is able to do this and is able to do the opposite. Inna Allah ala kulli qadeer. Wahul azizul hakim, he is the supreme and he is all the wise. So through nabuwa and through wahi, when you understand both systems, you understand how to behave, act and react as someone whose function is to worship Allah. On the back of that, you can do your math and you, you bring your science and you can bring empirical knowledge and say that we know we can predict 
when the next eclipse is going to be, that's all fine. We don't have a problem with that. But when it happens, this is what the Prophet did, because he's a man of God. He's a man of reality. He is a man who is in complete sync with everything that exists in the universe. He is the Rahmah for the universe in the first place. So he is the ultimate Rahmah. And when we follow the ultimate Rahmah in our actions and behavior, then we'll be pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anyway, as you can see, these ayat are loaded with uh, points of reflection. That's why they're called ayat, signs of Allah's creation, signs of Allah's uh, abilities, and signs of Allah's rahmah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to benefit from every ayah of the Qur'an. Ameen, ya rabbul alameen, wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayl khalqi, Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi ajma'in. Ya rahmatullahi wa